Andre Broca ran the 28th marathon of his career uh, in this past October's Chicago Marathon. Now that doesn't sound very strange. Uh, there are a lot of people who run the Chicago Marathon, but uh, there was an article in the Chicago Maroon uh, just recently about the kind of marathon that he ran and the kinds of things that, uh, that he did. It says, Andre Broca can't see where he runs, but that doesn't stop him. He has run 26 miles and 385 yards 28 times. And you know it's that last 385 yards that would get you, right? Uh, he's run that 28 times in his life without being able to see the asphalt beneath his feet. Uh, but with every step, he forgets his impairment and forgets his blindness. Adrian Broca runs marathons. Adrian Broca is legally blind. Adrian Broca is an Olympic athlete. Most of all, however, Adrian Broca is proof that nothing is impossible. It's an amazing story, and I encourage you to, to take a look at it, Google it, find out about his life, because uh, he has been able to overcome this impairment of his throughout his entire life. And the way that he is able to run, in fact, you can see a, a picture of him right there uh, running with the, uh, the cane. I'm not sure how that works. But as he is, as he is running along, uh, you see the guide that is next to him. And as he is able to, he's, he started out in cross country uh, when he was in high school. And he kept getting lost, you know, uh, because it's not asphalt and it's not the right way. Or he, he kept going the wrong way. But he learned to run with guides, guides that would help him along. He is also able to run marathons without guides, but he can't compete at the level he wants to and so uh, he tends to get guides that will help him through the streets there of Chicago. It's an amazing story, being able to run when you can't see the way ahead of you. And it's a great metaphor for life as well. Because as, as we consider our own lives, as we hear about the lives of others, we recognize there are many times when we can't see the way ahead of us. We don't know where we're going. We can't see uh, the obstacles that might be ahead and we wonder, what is it that we can do? Maybe that would be true in your life right now. Maybe there's something in your life that just leads you to think, I don't even know where to go from here. I don't know the way ahead. Or maybe you're thinking, I've, I've gone all different directions. I've gotten lost. I haven't gone where I needed to go with God. And here I am. Well, whether we've been there or we're there now, chances are we'll be there again. Life always throws us a curve in the road or a fork in the road, and we don't know where to go. Well, that's what was taking place in our text today. Uh, as Jason read this, and also as Tina read Psalm 107, it's, it's really a celebration of all that, uh, that God had done for the Israelites. But it, I encourage you to look back at Joshua chapter 3, in uh, those verses 7 through 17. If you have a Bible, look at that because you can see the whole context. If, if not, just look here on the, on the back of the bulletin and you can see it printed there. Because we see what is going on in the life of Joshua. Last week we talked about Moses. And Moses died on Mount Nebo. This was the end of his life. I think he lived 120 years. He had ascended to the mountain and was able to see the promised land all, all beyond him there. And he was not able to go and lead um, Israel into the promised land. But he, he was able to pass off his leadership to Joshua. And God would use Joshua to lead his people on across the Jordan River 
into this land that God had um, designed for them to have. And so that is what is taking place here in this particular text in Joshua. And uh, we get this version of, of him uh, getting uh, God's people and leading them on a cross. And there are these words that are spoken to him. And as he hears these words, they're a little bit different. And if you look at the, uh, the prophets like Jeremiah and uh, some of the other prophets, uh, Isaiah... But Jeremiah really got some strange instructions. Jeremiah did some really strange things. God, God would tell him to do things, and he would sometimes complain, but then he would go and do them. Well, here God is giving His, his words to Joshua for Israel, and He is calling him to go and to do these. If you look back here in the uh, verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you, as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now that's kind of a strange thing because the Jordan would have looked uh, much like that on this particular day because it was in harvest time. And, and so he says, get the Ark of the Covenant and, and the priests will, will take this Ark of the Covenant and they will go and stand in the middle of the river. And I'm sure they're thinking, What? You know, we've been in the desert all this time. We've been out wandering in the wilderness. And we're finally there. We can see it across the river. And you want us to go and to stand in the middle of the river. But this is what God had given to Joshua. And this was a command uh, to go and to do this. These were the words of God. But we also see as we uh, continue reading here uh, that they were to, to come near and to hear the words of the Lord. And you shall stand in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. As I was reading this uh, earlier in the week, I just stopped right there. I, I've read this a number of times, but it just really stood out to me. Draw near and hear the words of the Lord. And you get the idea, they weren't really drawing near. I'm sure they were doing like what, what I know I would be doing. And that would be questioning God and wondering, you know, what are you talking about? Or questioning Joshua. Joshua, you've really lost it. I know you're the new leader. I know that Moses you know, put his mantle on you, that, that this is your deal, but I'm not comfortable with it. I, you know, that's, a, that's a, a high river out there today, and there's just no way we can do this. And so Joshua says, draw near and hear these words. These are the words that God gave to me to give to you. And so listen to these words. Uh, I don't know if you've been in a, a restaurant lately where the noise was just at high decibels. We've been, I mean, it seems like all the restaurants now, they want you to talk really loud. And the way they do that is they play the music real loud, and then you have to talk over that, and everybody's talking and you can't hear one another. And sometimes I'm sitting across from someone, and I, you know, I keep trying to listen to what they're saying, and you just see the lips, none of you, of course, you see the lips moving, and you just kind of go, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the uh, Jerry Seinfeld episode, you know, the low talker episode. Any Jerry Seinfeld fans out there? Where there is this low talking woman across from him and she just talks like this. You can't ever really understand what she's You know, just this low tone and he keeps trying to figure out what she's saying and no one at the table knows what she's saying. And he agrees. He just shakes his head and says, yes, yes. And the next thing he knows, uh, he has agreed to wear uh, a pirate shirt on uh, the Tonight Show, uh, because she has made this, and this is what you know he agreed to do, and so he gets all upset and you know calls her a low talker because it basically ruins his career. I don't know if you've had any episodes like that, but where you just can't hear, 
And, and the challenge is to draw near to the person that is speaking to you. And that, that is what Joshua is asking for Israel to do. And it's really what God is asking us to do as well. If we are going to see the way ahead, if we are going to go in the, the way that God wants us to go ahead, whether that's as a corporate, I mean as a church, or as individuals, then we too need to draw near to God. We've been talking a lot about that lately because with Moses and, and some of these other characters that we've looked at, uh, they all are those who, who had some challenges. And we looked at Moses and we, we sang uh, about the cleft of the rock and all that and how Moses had that great opportunity. And he wanted to see the glory of God. And he went in to that cleft of the rock to do that. He had such a passion for God. and We are to have that same passion as well, to draw near that's a, a rather intentional thing, isn't it? It's not a, a passive kind of thing, although God is always around us. We need to, to set those disciplines in our lives and to set those times and to, to carve out those islands of time in our lives where we are spending time seeking out God and drawing near to Him. And it, it's just a matter of being aware of how God is at work around you and how He is continuing to show His presence to you. But it's also from hearing uh, that we were, we were to, to hear. There's so much noise in our lives. And, and again, we talk about that a lot as well. All the, the chatter that goes on in, in, inside of us and the people around us or the things around us or the work around us continues to scream for our attention. And we are to hear and to listen to what God has to say. That means getting to a place in your life where you have found a, a still place and you're able to hear the still uh, most of the time, silent voice of God. And it really requires some regular intake of His Word. Joshua was saying, these, these are the words of God. And that's why we have Bible study at 9.30, because we study the Bible together, we hear what is in God's Word, and we talk about it, and pray about it, and uh, we do this in a, a uh, sense of community. But also, as you leave from this place and as you go home, hopefully you're finding your Bible and you're, you're reading the words of God and thinking about what God is saying to you on any given day. That is what we are to do. That's how we listen and how we draw near. But there's more that's going on here with Joshua. Uh, Joshua is telling the people, if you look on farther down, he says, By this you shall know that among you, is the living God who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, all of these different ites. He's, he's getting all these ites out of the way for them. And, um, and so he is saying to them, God is among you. This is how you will know that God is among you. And then he, he mentions this living God. Uh, this idea that God was active in their lives right then. He was involved in the midst of their circumstances in their lives. And chances are they were forgetting that. They, many of them had forgotten that as they were wandering around uh, in the desert for all of that time. And that God continued to remind them in different ways that He was among them. And so as they get ready to cross this big river, they had to realize and needed to realize that God was among them. He was a living God. But there's also an interesting phrase here. If you look a little bit farther down, right there in the middle of that, um, he talks about the priest who bear the ark of the Lord. He says, the Lord of all the earth. And that's mentioned again, the Lord of all of the earth. Now, back in this time, uh, there were different, uh, lots of different religions as there are today, and most of them tended to believe that, that gods had their certain localities. 
That if you went to this particular nation, there would be gods active in that nation. If you went out on a boat across the, the sea, then there would be gods who were there um, that weren't back on the land. So there were a lot of different gods that could inhabit different localities. And some of this thinking uh, came in, into uh, Israel as well, into the Israelites' way of thinking. Uh, because they were surrounded by all these peoples, these peoples that are mentioned here in this text. And some of them probably thought, well, that makes a whole lot of sense because of the things that have been going on in my life. But what Joshua is saying is that he is the Lord of all of the earth. Whether you're out on the sea or you're on, in another land, wherever you happen to be, he is there. And he's not just there now, he is there with you as you go. So he's telling them he is, he is there ahead and that God was not missing uh, there's a story that, uh, maybe you've heard this before, but uh, it's about a couple who had two boys, eight and ten, and uh, they were always getting into trouble. I, I, I'm sure that, that you can't relate uh, to the fact that two, two boys, eight and ten, would get into any trouble. But the parents were certain that if any mischief occurred in the community, that, that their two sons were involved. I mean, if they ever heard about anything going on at school, they knew that it was going to be their kids. And so they were at a loss as to what to do about their behavior. So, of course, what do they do? They contact a, uh, a pastor um, to uh, try to solve their problems. They had heard that this particular pastor had the ability to uh, be able to calm down kids and uh, to be able to, uh, to help them. So the minister asked to see the boys individually, and the youngest went first. Uh, the pastor sat the boy down and asked, Where is God? The boy made no attempt to answer. So the question was repeated in a sterner voice, Where is God? But still, no answer. And then the minister shook his finger at the boy and asked in an even sterner voice, Son, where is God? At that, the boy ran from the room and into a closet and slammed the door. His older brother followed him in and asked what had happened. And the younger brother replied, We're in trouble this time. God is missing. And they think we did it. <laughs> You've probably heard that. But we know, and we can laugh at that, because we know that God is not missing. And that is the whole point that, that Joshua is trying to get across to them, and it's really the point we need to take with us today. Uh, when, when we see no way ahead, we need to realize and to know deep down inside of us that God is among us. And that's true as a church, as a brand new church that uh, is just you know, a little over a year old, we need to realize that God is among us. That He is here with us. And He is with us in the midst uh, of uh, the circumstances of a life of our church, like the, the Highland Carnival today, or as we go out and we do our missional ministry in the neighborhood, as we meet together in Bible studies, whatever we happen to be doing, we can know that God is among us. But you could know that as an individual as well. Whatever goes on this next week, whether it's a test at school, that you're taking or a test that you're giving at school, it's always better to be on that end, that you're giving um, at school or whether it's going to the doctor's office or going into the hospital or whatever it happens to be, you can know that God is there. He is among you and that He is a living and active God as is said here. So He's present in the midst of your circumstances now. It, it's sometimes tempting for us to think, wow, I remember when God was with me when. And I can think back in my life to uh, having grown up in the church to some really wonderful experiences that I had with God. And I can think back, well, it sure was great when God was with me then. And to forget that God is with me now and that He is. But also 
that He is Lord of all the earth, and that means all of your circumstances, just as He was with them. God wanted them to know He was going to be ahead of them. And He's going to be ahead of you as well. It just doesn't matter at all what it's going to be in this next week. He's already there. God has already uh, planned to be there. And He's already made Himself known in your future. Kind of an interesting thought. And so this is what is taking place with them. But then they finally step ahead. You see that the flood stages uh, are, are... This is a flood stage. It says, Now the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of harvest. And so it would have looked a lot like this. And, and as they're looking at this and all the waters that are raging there, they're wondering how is it that we're ever going to do this? And yet they step on ahead. And it talks about the priests putting the, uh, the tip of their, their feet into the water and the, the waters that are ceasing. It reminds us of what took place with the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea. And as the uh, Hebrew people went on across... Uh, Joshua is reminding us that God is still at work in just the same way. And so uh, it says, as the, the banks overflowed, they stepped out and they stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. And so as we hear this passage, we are reminded uh, of the necessity of faith and the challenges that sometimes come to our faith. Uh, filmmaker Francis uh, Ford Coppola has said, an essential element of art is risk. If you don't take risks, how are you going to make something really beautiful that hasn't been seen before? I always had a good philosophy of risks. The only risk is to waste your life so that when you die, you say, oh, I wish I had done this. And to, to die with such regret. Can you imagine if they had just stayed on that side of the Jordan River and they hadn't, hadn't moved on across? And can you imagine in your life, if you look at the, the way ahead and you realize it's going to be too, far too risky for me to step out in this way and you just decide I'm not going to do it, I'm going to stay right where I am because this is comfortable and if I go out there, uh, terrible things could happen to me. And yet, so many do take that step and move on and find that God is on the other side, that God is at work and that God is moving. I hope that as you look at your life and you see that maybe the rivers are up and the, there's a flood stage going on in your life, that you'd be willing to trust God, that you'd be willing to step on out and to step ahead. There's a, a great story that uh, comes from uh, Ravi Zacharias and it's uh, from his book, Jesus Among Other Gods. And in this book, he tells a story about how God, whom he calls the master weaver, uh, works to weave beauty into our lives uh, as we respond to his will. And it says that during a trip to India, Zacharias noticed a father and a son who were weaving some of the most beautiful Indian wedding saris in the world. Zacharias explains the background and he describes the scene here. He says the sari, of course, is the garment worn by Indian women. It is usually six yards long. Wedding saris are a work of art, Zacharias says. They are rich in gold and silver threads, resplendent with an array of colors. The place I was visiting was known for making the best wedding saris in the world. I expected to see some elaborate system of machines and designs that would boggle the mind. Not so. Each sari was being made individually by a father and son team, often like Jack and I do at home, making, <laughs> making our saris... The father sat above on a platform two to three feet higher than the son. 
surrounded by several spools of thread, some dark and some shining. The son did just one thing. At a nod from his father, he would move the shuttle from one side to the other and then back again. The father would gather some threads in his fingers, nod once more, and then the son would move the shuttle again. This would be repeated for hundreds of hours till you would begin to see a magnificent pattern emerging. The son had the easy task just to move at the father's nod. All along, the father had the design in mind and brought the threads together. Zacharias says, The more I reflect on my own life and study the lives of others, I am fascinated to see the design that God has for each one of us if we would only respond to Him. I wonder this morning, in what way is God nodding to you? And in what way are you responding? Let's pray.